the princess and the frog. And uh, the, the evil villain is Dr. Uh, Fastlier, and uh, also known as the Shadow Man. He is a smooth-talking voodoo witch doctor. And if you're not familiar with the story, he uh, obviously is a witch doctor. He's using magic, but he ultimately realizes magic can't get him to where he wants to be. And so he believes that true power happens by controlling money. And uh, certainly that connects with, uh, you know, with how we talked about offering today. Magic only gets him so far. What he needs is a fortune. And so he concocts this entire idea to transform himself as that prince who is the younger guy in the video and uh, or to transform the fat guy into the younger guy and to gain the fortune. Now, when I grew up, uh, there were a list of shows and movies that my dad wouldn't let us watch. My dad and mom uh, became followers of Jesus when they were in their early 20s. And so by the time I grew up, this is, you, you know, mid-1980s, and uh, my, my, there was a lot of shows my dad didn't want me and my siblings watching. So kind of famously, it's kind of like every kid who grew up in that time frame, it was kind of the same list of shows and movies. So He-Man, The Smurfs, and Ghostbusters. None of us, pretty much none of us were allowed to watch. Doesn't matter if you grew up in Texas or in Canada or in New Hampshire, like no Christian 80s parents really would let you watch those. And this movie, Princess and the Frog, you know, we joke about uh, we joke about that, but yet some of us are kind of follow the, some of the same guidelines. For me, as a parent, as annoyed as I was with my dad when I was a kid, this is one of those movies that I wouldn't let my kids watch. And you could be like, "Oh, <laughs> Pastor Nate, you're so stupid, you're so old-fashioned. This is ridiculous. It's a Disney movie." But for me, kind of one of the one of the um, maybe principles or values or I kind of use it in the matrix of what movies I'll let my kids watch and what movies I won't let them watch. Uh, for me, movies that have imitation demonic powers or that represent demonic powers, I just don't want, won't let them watch. So I would let them watch, really probably would be shocking the movies I'd let them watch over Princess and the Frog. Um, but... But that is just something that's important to me, something that I think is, is just as a follower of Jesus, something we don't play around with. And here's why, all right? Because these things are real. And you're like, oh my word, why did we choose this church today? Listen, let's, let's talk through it, all right? I want to talk through, not just, from a, not just from a Disney movie standpoint, let's talk through scripture. And... One of the things that maybe we, you know, maybe that we don't realize or pay attention to, but voodoo is a religion that's followed by 60 million people around the world. So it's not just like, you know, people make jokes about voodoo dolls and, and you know, dress up like, like um, some of the spirits from, uh, from this religion during Halloween and during other holidays around the world. But this isn't just a Halloween activity. Now, you may accuse me of 
overreacting or being outlandish or being legalistic. But again, let's look at Scripture because Scripture is helping us to understand what reality is. It's helping us to understand, not just based on what our experience experience is, but helping us to understand the big picture. Like There's a lot more that happens besides just what happens here in New Hampshire. There's a lot more that happens around the world, and and that happens not just in this, in in, in what we see, but in the unseen realm than what we realize. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 16. And uh, feel free to Google, Google Acts chapter 16. We'll be reading out of the NLT version. And the part we're about to read, it says talking about Paul and some of his, uh, some of the guys who traveled with him that they would, they would preach, they would share about Jesus. They are traveling to the city of Philippi. And this is a Roman city. And I think it's important for you to know that because this is not a Jewish city. There's no, no Jewish inheritance or no Jewish uh, culture. There's no, real, there's no synagogues. There's no uh, understanding of Judaism. So they're not talking to people and saying, hey, you know God the Father. Let me introduce you to his son, Jesus. Hey, you've been waiting for the Messiah. Let me help you understand how Jesus is that Messiah. None of that's going on. They are so far away, their, their concepts of, of religion, their concepts of worship, the concepts of, of, of the unseen realm, of, the, uh, you know, of, of God, it is so far away. And Paul is coming to share Jesus with people who have no understanding. I mean, they, they have their own culture, their own way of worshiping. And this is what we're about to read. So Acts chapter 16, verse number 18. So for those of you who don't know, this is, not, uh, this is not a fictional story. This is a historical account. What we're reading here, it was by a physician. His name was Luke. He began to document in Acts, the, uh, like a historical account of all the things that are happening in the church after Jesus left. So he's, he's documenting this in the same way that, uh, I don't know, any modern historian, but, you know, in the same way that we would document any, any other historical account. So it says, once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Let me stop there, all right? This is not connected with our message, but if you've read that before, you would think, why would they, because they're going to show here in a little bit, Paul gets annoyed by this after a couple couple of days. You would think, why would they be mad if they're telling everybody, that, sh- that, their work, that, they, that they follow God. Why would they not care? Well, again, no one in this culture is following God the Father. No one in this culture is following Yahweh. In their culture, what they think most high God is, they're thinking Zeus or an equivalent of Zeus. They're thinking Greek mythology, Roman mythology. So when they're yelling out, hey, follower of the most high God, they're connecting dots. Oh, I don't need to listen. I already know everything I need to know about 
Zeus. So she kept us up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around to her and he said to the spirit, all right? So he's not speaking harshly to the slave girl. He's speaking directly to the demonic spirit that's within her. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. This is great for this lady, but not so great for her owners, who we read in verse number 19, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept their practice. Again, it's Roman law about who you worship and how you worship. Verse number 22, the crowds joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer commanded to guard, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet with stocks. Now, if you go on to read uh, that jailer and his whole family, they give their lives to Jesus. A few hours later, in the middle of the night, they're all water baptized in the middle of the night, and uh, and Paul and Silas willingly walk back into the prison, uh, and uh, you know, and so the, that way, the jailer and his family wouldn't be killed for having lost a prisoner. It's an amazing miracle that it happens. Well, let's talk about the villain of the story. The villain is not the slave girl. She's demon-possessed, but that doesn't make her a villain. She's harassing the disciples, but again, that doesn't make her the villain. She's the victim of the villain, and, and she's a victim of the enemy. We have to remember over and over again that people are not our enemy. They are the victims of our enemy. Now, there are the villains that we're looking at in the story. They are these two unnamed men that we just read about. They were slave owners, they were human traffickers, they were exploiters, and they were violent men, as you saw when they seized and attacked Paul and Silas. They're the villains we're looking at, but again, spiritually, there's a lot going on here. This slave girl, she has been captured by a spiritual enemy and a physical enemy, and let's give a little bit of background here, right? So in, the, in this area, right, there in Philippi, she's working as a fortune teller. In this time, they worshipped Apollo. And behind this worship of Apollo were these demonic powers. In Acts chapter 16, verse number 16, we read this before, but I'm going to read it to you out of the ESV version. It says this, it says this, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. So that word Spirit of divination, your Bible, it translates a few times the spirit of fortune telling, but there's a, there's a uh, when it's written in the, in the original language in Greek, it says 
we could translate it this way. It says, once when I had gone to the place of prayer, once when I had gone to the place of prayer, we were met by a, feel, by a female slave who had a spirit of Puthon, spelt Python. This word Puthon, it referred to the legendary snake that guarded the oracle at Delphi. So this is a temple in central Greece, and it housed, you know, it's famous for fortune telling and telling in telling the future. And the Python was associated with Apollo, the god of prophecy. Not far from Philippi, there was a shrine dedicated to the snake of Apollo. So here's this girl. She has the spirit of, of divination, the spirit of this cult that allowed her to tell fortunes, to, to speak and see into the future, which she could really do, which is why she was making her owners a lot of money. This demonic spirit had given her a supernatural ability. She's, again, she's captured by men, but she's also captured by an evil spirit of a false god. Now, you would say, okay, that was 2,000 years ago. I'm skeptical that that ever really happened. Or maybe you even say, okay, that happened 2,000 years ago. I get that it happened then, but it doesn't happen in all our culture. That doesn't happen around here. Uh, you, you know, I don't think that happens anymore. Now, listen, let, <laughs> I want to direct you to a newspaper article from the Washington Post that happened, that was published 11 days ago. All right? So you're going to say, I don't think this happens anymore. I don't think people really believe this stuff anymore. I think whatever, whatever you're going to say. 11 days ago. A story in the Washington Post uh, titled this, Voodoo in, Voodoo in Photos, How Followers of an Ancient Faith Are Battling Stereotypes. And the article centers around, basically centers around New York City. And the kind of the premise of the article is this, the religion of voodoo is misunderstood and they've been meeting in basements for, you know, for the last number of years, but they want to go mainstream now. So they're trying to get money to, to build their places of worship, to meet in storefronts instead of meeting in basements. This is the premise of the story. Now, let's define voodoo again, because other than a cartoon or, or, or uh, you know, kind of how we joke about it in culture, you may not really understand what it is. So here I have a Harvard University description of this religion. So voodoo is a blending of African religious traditions and Catholicism. There's a blending. Kind of one thing we have to see is if we take Christianity, the temptation is to mix it in with what we already believe or to mix it in with other beliefs. And once you do that, you don't have Christianity anymore. You have something else. So they're blending Catholicism, you know, these, these practices that exist within this, um, uh, this population of Christian faith and 
African religious traditions. They're taking those together. So in the United States, voodoo religious ceremonies are often performed in private group settings where spirits manifest in devotees through possession. This is, so this is not my bias of, of what voodoo is. This is what's under, this is part of their religious practice. So I'll be beginning to connect the dots. So a movie about voodoo and a movie about demonic spirits is not one that I want my five and six and seven year old to watch as probably that might have been how old they were when the movie came out. So again, 11 days ago, this was in the newspaper filled with photos. And, and I want you to say this, the author of the, don't put that up yet, the author of the, um, of the article was um, was in favor of this. So it's not someone writing against the warnings of voodoo and trying to get people to, to, to put it back in the basement or to be fearful of it. This was someone writing as an advocate, an advocate for it. So when, when I show you this picture again, and um, this is someone, again, not trying to cause fear, but trying to take away fear and allow it to come into the mainstream. So here's the picture that was one of the pictures that was in the article. Here is the caption. Voodoo Priestess, and it names her name, Voodoo Priestess is taken over by a spirit during a ritual in Brooklyn in March of 2022. Ceremonies usually last last all night, at least five hours, ending with a communal meal. Flip that off. I don't want to look at that anymore. I think if there's anybody in the room calling me ignorant or naive for not letting my kids watch Princess and the Frog, and I'm not telling you you're wrong for letting you. Again, we, it, it's no big deal. Like, I'm just t- telling you for me. I'm not, tell, I'm not preaching against the movie. All I'm trying to do is connect Scripture and help you understand that I want you to take this maybe a little bit more serious than you did. If anybody would say, Pastor Nate's naive, legalistic, a little, I would connect you to this news article and say, maybe I would push back on you. Who's the one being naive about spiritual powers and powers of darkness that exist and are operating around the world? So I want to share with you a word that's often associated with weird church people. (laughs) It's this word, all right? Deliverance. Usually you only hear that word from weird church people. It's usually the only time you ever hear that word. But what Paul did in this story, what Paul did in this account, and what we do as followers of Jesus, what we do, even connecting to last week, what we do for people who are, who are in physical slavery, who are in spiritual slavery, what we do as people who follow Jesus is we bring deliverance to people. We rescue them physically, and we support organizations, and, and people in our church support organizations that are helping to rescue people one of the, the, the things, our, our teenagers, their Kingdom Builders project is, this year, is going to 
um, to, is buying a machine, am I correct in this, is buying the machine to remove tattoos from girls who were trafficked, right? So they treat them like cattle. You're now part of our, you know, part of our workforce. We tattoo you to, to deny ownership of you or to claim ownership of you. So when they've been rescued from human trafficking, from sex, sex slavery, their Kingdom Builders project is going to remove those tattoos. Hey, you're free and you're free. So that's what their Kingdom Builders project is going to this year. We rescue them physically, but we must never, never forget that there's a huge responsibility for us as a church, for us as believers, to rescue people spiritually. Ben's going to come up, and I want to read to you, uh, I want to read to you another, uh, another modern story. So there's a Lutheran pastor and missions professor Robert Bennett, and he wrote a book, I'm Not Afraid. And he, he was writing about the culture in Madagascar and the evangelism work that was happening there. So people are going to Madagascar, they're sharing Jesus, they're sharing the good news of Jesus. And like parts of Africa, it has a, a heavy feeling like Philippi. There's a lot of worship, there's a lot of witch doctors, um, there's a lot of negative supernatural activity happening. It's very, very common. No one's surprised by it. No one's really afraid by it. Everybody knows it's there. And, 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 and every, it's just out there in public. Everybody, there's the witch doctor's house. Everybody knows. So what happens is Bennett began to interview people who became Christian. So they used to be like the slave girl. They used to be have demonic powers that would give them an ability to make wealth. So at this time in, or in Madagascar, there are many people who want evil spirits to possess them, not recognizing what these spirits are, so they can make a living as, make a living as fortune tellers and as healers. <laughs> Quick time out. Satan is able to replicate um, uh, the move of God. If you go back to our story last week with Pharaoh, when Moses and Aaron are, are making the, are, and God's making the plagues come upon Pharaoh, you read in a few different parts that Pharaoh's, um, uh, I forget what they're called, soothsayers, what they're called in the scripture, but Pharaoh's um, religious people, they're able to replicate some of the, of the plagues. And so they're not very fearful. They're like, ah, I don't believe, you know, I know the water turned into blood, but look, we did that too. And they're able to replicate. So healing, you think about some of the healers that are, that are popular in culture right now. You may be tempted to go see. Well, the spiritual enemy can provide healings and he does that as a way to capture. So anyway, these people are, they're asking to have to be possessed by spirits so that they have an opportunity to make money. So they end up getting their wish and they end up making money. Again, love of money plunging people into darkness and to despair. But they paid a heavy price to their demon masters. And this is one testimony that Bennett wrote down. So this was someone who was making money through demonic power, but then 
came to Christ and was rescued from that spiritual power. This person said, many were the difficulties in my life. Many times the spirits would make me sleep outside of my house, at the river, or in the forest. Many foods were taboo for me. I could not eat meat. Meats in brief, my life was very narrow. When I became a Christian, faith liberated me from my chains. I now know that it was the work of darkness that I followed before. But now I know Jesus, but now I follow Jesus who has liberated us from many things. I have two scriptures to close with you. All right. Isaiah chapter 41, verse number 10. This is, a, this is a huge one. 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 Fear not, for I am with you. It's a huge one. If you're someone who has nightmares or you're someone who has experience with these things in your past, maybe you begin to be fearful. Maybe if you've never heard this before, never seen these things before, you begin to get fearful. Isaiah 41.10, fear not. For I am with you. Because I'm not afraid does not mean I subject myself to this stuff. So I don't let my kids watch the movie. Honestly, my kids think it's stupid. I dad, it's a Disney movie. We're not afraid. I'm like, yes, I know you're not afraid. But we just don't, we just don't immerse ourselves in other things. We're just careful. Not because we're afraid, but because we're wise. So I, again, it's a, it's a movie. I, I rewatch it now. So many years later, my kids are older. Like we could probably watch it. It would be no big deal. But we, but again, we're wise. We're not afraid. So when the kids are afraid at night and they're and they're having nightmares and they're afraid of the dark, no, Isaiah forty one ten. Fear not, for I am with you. There's nothing that we need to be afraid of. There's no spiritual power we need to be afraid of. Yeah, they have some power. Yeah, they can do some damage. But if we're a follower of Jesus, they can't touch us unless we let them touch us. They can't can't mess us up unless we allow them by chasing money, by chasing gratification of the flesh, by by immersing ourselves in culture and thinking it's not a big deal, it doesn't affect me, you know. The other one is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. The spirit of God within you is greater than any demonic spirit. If you're someone who's affected by nightmares, you don't have to be. You don't have to be. If you're someone who's affected in a much deeper way, you don't have to be. The blood of Jesus that we talked about during communion today, it sets us free from our sin, it sets us, sets us free from bondage. It delivers us from the evil one. We're free. We're free. Listen, when you close, my, close your eyes, I want to take a moment to pray for you. And then, uh, and then our, our bands at our, all our locations will lead us. We'll just sing uh, a little bit of a song to, to end service. Jesus, man, thank you for this account that Luke wrote down in Acts that just reminds us how powerful you are. Maybe it shows us we don't, we don't want to be ignorant of the evil one. We don't want to just 
jump into anything culture has, not realizing who could be behind it. God, we pray for those who are, uh, who are modern, who are stuck in modern day slavery. They, they're captured, they're caught. And we pray you would, you would deliver them physically, Lord God. Send rescuers to them. God, help us to fund rescuers. God, help us to, um, help us to, to find them, to recognize them. And God, give them the courage to run. Help our teenagers with their Kingdom Builders project to, to be able to give and meet their goal. And God, that, um, God that so many women will be able to have these tattoos removed from their body. God, we pray you would rescue those who are slaves spiritually. Deliver them from the evil one. There is none like you, God. There's none like you, Jesus. You are greater. You have all authority in heaven and earth. And help us to pray for our friends and family and neighbors who are caught and trapped. May we, man, may we, I just pray we won't give up. We'll just continue praying. When the opportunity comes, we will share the good news of Jesus. And they'll receive it and grab onto you. And you will grab onto them and pull them out of that miry clay. You'll clean them off. You will set them free. And you'll allow them to walk on the path that you've created them for. And I pray that same prayer over anybody in any of our services or who are watching online who may be stuck in a similar thing. You are free. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.